Hello everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the Sensory Podcast. I'm Mehmet and today I'm going to start a new series of podcasts about the things I've learned in dot 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 that helped me in my coffee journey and my coffee career. The idea is to draw parallels between different industries that I've been part of either as a hobbyist or a little bit more as an amateur or an enthusiast from baking to sports to other different uh, passions that I have, I always try to draw lessons that I can apply to uh, to my coffee industry and my coffee journey. And here, the idea is to give you certain keys that I've learned in those different worlds and apply it to the coffee so that you can see the parallels that you can have um, if you are working in coffee or just if you are enjoying coffee and how you can... Um, get some lessons from the other aspect of uh, your life and other passions, right? We are going to start with something that some of you may know is that I love baking. I've been uh, starting baking now almost a year and a half, every two or three days. And in this episode, I'm going to share with you the things I've learned in baking and how they're relevant in the coffee. The idea, once again, is to draw those parallels between those two concepts, the two worlds, and share variable insights, right? I have five different, actually six steps to, um, to, to give you here about the parallel between baking and coffee. Of course, those two worlds are pretty similar, right? They are all science and art driven they're all a uh, food and beverage industry so they have, you have a perception a dimension of taste a dimension of uh, science and also a dimension of heat most of the baking uh, is done with a source of heat the same way roasting uh, coffee and even brewing coffee is right so that's why there's a lot of different parallel and similarities between the world of baking and the world of coffee, especially coffee uh, roasting. But I will touch base on also brewing here and a little bit of sourcing. The first lesson, uh, and that's a lesson that I've learned in coffee as well, but it just uh, kind of reinforced that with um, with the things I've learned in baking. And later on, I'll do another episode about a, a certain sport that I start practicing is that you have to embrace failure as a learning opportunity. Your first batch will, at, I don't know, 85, 90% of the chance, be a failure. Don't worry, because you don't know. It's your first time um, baking a sourdough, for example, or a madeleine, or who knows, or cookie even. So it's important to learn from those failures. And the thing is not being discouraged with uh, failure. And it's uh, it's a little bit easier in um, in the world of baking and coffee than in other aspects like sport or other passions. Because if you're failing the unless it's undercooked, you can still drink the coffee. You can still give it to people. You can still um, eat a slightly burnt baked goods uh, or slightly not overly proofed sourdough. It's not the best, but it's eatable. And uh, if you get some healthy ingredients, it's not that bad. So it's not like other aspect or other food or um, hobbies that if you fail, you don't see the results of your action. Here you can see something at least. 
So it's important to um, not stopping at your first attempt, right? And um, because that first batch of coffee, that first brew, it's not going to be the best one. Of course, it takes it takes ages, uh, 10,000 hours, right, to be an expert at a domain and at least 100 hours to really, really, really grasp the um, the um, the subject that you are dealing with. That's why embrace failure, especially in the beginning, because it's just the beginning. And you will see the more you are repeating the actions with some modification that we will discuss in the second step, the more you will see improvement, basically. And that leads me to the second point here. Measure, measure, measure for improvement. Everything in coffee is pretty much measured, right? From the green coffee with agronomy uh, of the soil, with the bricks color, uh, with the rainfall, to uh, the milling stage with a moisture check, maybe water activity check, um, size uh, grading. Then we have uh, the roastery with another moisture check. A uh, lot of data, as you know, in roasting, like temperature probes for the beans, for the environment, for the exhaust, for the inlet, um, air flows, gas, drum speed. And then on the QC, we have colors outside, inside, Q, uh, cupping. Um, on the brewing, we have TDS, extraction. There's a lot of data that we capture, right? And something I realized in baking is that we think baking is that, because it's different than cooking. Baking requires a sense of precision and a sense of precise measurement in baking. And that's how measuring ingredients and processes leads to consistent results, right? We have, like in coffee, we have to measure the inputs of our dough and the output through um, mostly taste, right? And see where, or physical characteristics, and see where we did a mistake here. And starting with uh, transitioning basically from coffee, from baking to coffee, coffee to baking, helped me understand better the coffee to water ratio. That's the basics, right? The, the, the first thing is, those uh, those kind of ratios. And as our third point, the vital role of ratios. In, um, in coffee, you see it as a ratio of coffee to water, but it can also be the coffee mass to the drum uh, volume, or even the coffee tree density to the coffee farm. And in this importance is really, really important, especially in, um, in, uh, in baking, because that determines the balance of flavors and textures. Do you want something dense? Do you want something fluffy? Do you want something uh, moist? All of these are impacted by those balances. We have, for example, the Baker's Baker's math. That's the ratio of um, that's the ratio of um, uh, something to uh, to flour, for example. And uh, and the same thing, we have a 1 to 16 ratio, 1 to 2 ratio, 1 to 10 ratios for coffee. And understanding that ratio, because a 1 to 15 versus a 1 to 16 ratio is not just more diluted um, beverage. It's also a slightly different flavor 
palate, the flavor sort of composition, because you're extracting more, you're putting more water. So it's the same thing with, um, with baking and with coffee. And I think those ratios are really vital because especially in baking where flour is a stabilizer and then you have some moisturizers like eggs and, and fats and butters. Uh, but guess what? Coffee is made out of those things as well. You have the starch, you have the carbohydrates, you have the sugars, but you also have the lipids and all of these interact together at certain temperature, which leads me to the fourth point here. You got a master temperature and the reaction. There's a critical role of temperature in the chemical reaction in, uh, in baking and in coffee as well. There are certain temperature, such as the Maillard reaction at uh, 160 degrees Celsius, uh, the caramelization that starts as well and, and uh, get um, self-sustained about 170-ish, then pyrolysis about 180-ish. Uh, you can check all those details online. And when you realize that, you see that uh, you need to hit certain temperature for certain reaction to happen. And this is really important in um, baking, but also in brewing and in, uh, in roasting, especially in roasting. So how to control your uh, gas and how to control your temperature and understanding the effect of temperature over time is what will make you a better baker or better, um, better roaster or barista. For example, in baking, I did uh, a lot of experiment about time and temperature of sourdough, right? Uh, like you can really put your temperature super high on a cast iron and you will have a slightly faster um, heat uh, dispersion. So your sourdough, so basically your baking time can be reduced. But if it's reduced, you depending on the size of the sourdough, you may not cook the inside properly. And it's the same thing with a hot drum. You want to have a fast roast, but you have a pacamara. Same exact thing. Of course, this is applied to drum roasters, for example. Another, another example is if you want something fluffy or something uh, with um, an increase of volume in your baking or something dense, right? The difference between, for example, a canale and a madeleine. And a madeleine, you want this little hump. And you do that little hump by creating a thermal shock between the cold batter and the hot oven versus the um, the canale, which use copper molds. And with copper mold, you have a very like a hot beginning for just you know few minutes at a very high temperature to create a little um, crust, uh, strong crust on the outside, and then a very soft uh, dough um, and softer dense dough in the inside by dropping the temperature through 40 minutes and the idea here is not to create a thermal shock but just to slowly dissipate heat within um within the dough within the uh, baked good or within the coffee the same exact thing apply to uh to baking into coffee but understanding the temperature first comes with the step number five here understanding your system of heating it's really important to know how your oven cricks in baking, how your um, roasting uh, machine works. A drum oven is different than an indirect drum oven that is different from a fluidized dead oven. All of these uh, apply heat differently to your 
um, to your system, to your ingredients, whether it's just coffee or a dough, for example. Now, how do you do you trans translate yeah, from a machine to another? Let's say you move on from a sampling machine to a bigger machine and then an intermediate one, or from a commercial oven to a conventional oven to a home kitchen. How do you do that? Very simply, by measuring, once again, that was step number two, right? Measuring your input, measuring your outputs here. When I measure my outputs, they have some key output that, I, that is important in baking as in, um, as in uh, coffee, right? Uh, I know we like to measure time. We like to measure development time. But what is important is taste. And what we realize is that time and temperature are precursors of those, of course. But from a, a different machine will read totally different temperature depending on the thinness of the probe, right? If you if you take a old probe versus a new lowering, I mean, the probes are totally different. The system is totally different. You may read um, in Fahrenheit, 395 in one machine and uh, 415 in the other one, but the color is the same, the taste might might be the same, right? So what's important in coffee as in baking is how does the bean look like? What is the color outside and inside? For baking is the same thing, the color of the uh, baked good or the sourdough outside um, and the crunchiness in the, in the inside, the air pockets in the inside, for example like the consistency of the inside. And then the most important is the taste. Does it taste the same? If it does taste the same, then it's good. Then it's really good. And for coffee, it's a little bit different because you need to let it rest for a little bit longer and see if um, with age something changes. But all in all, to understand your system and uh, duplicate a recipe from a system to another, you have to taste and measure your input and your output. It's exactly the same with roasting or whenever you follow a baking recipes online, it never ever works. Ever. I'll try that. It never ever works uh, because you have a different system. You have a different oven. Your kitchen is different. Your kitchen is a different temperature, which affects, let's say, laminating, for example. Same thing with roasting. I mean, roasting is even more complicated because depending on the machine, the size of the machine, how did you preheat it? Uh, how did you warm it up? Did you have a warmer protocol? Did you have a between batch protocol? Uh, where your warehouse is located? Where are the green beans located? What the temperature of the green beans? I mean, there's so many parameters that changes the um, the recipe. And slightly less, but same thing with brewing, right? Uh, we can control more things. We can control the water. We can control the grind size-ish if we have the same coffee. But uh, sometimes it's a little bit different. Maybe the, 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 the brewing, the, um, the hand motion is a little bit different. So it's important to realize that there's a small changes. And the idea is to adapt and dial in. The concept of dial in is everywhere. That's something I understood and reinforced my um my baking journey and my coffee journey don't forget to dial in because when i do uh roast in different machines now or in uh, when i do tasting in different locations you know the it's different it's a little bit uh, a little bit different here and there so you have to adapt and you do adapt by measuring 
your data, understanding your system of heating. So whenever you get a new machine, a new, I don't know, kettle or a new system, just understand how the heat flows because heat is energy. Energy is the power of extraction and that creates the goodness out of baking or out of coffee. Last part, last part, the most important part, persevere. It's important that you are going to face a lot of challenges in baking as in coffee. And the idea is to remain uh, passionate about it and remind yourself, why did you start it? Why did you start either your coffee hobby journey or your coffee career? And uh, by just remembering those things, it will just reinforce your ability to be resilient. Resilience is a some of those rare qualities that uh, that we can find nowadays. And by having something truly passionate that brings value to you, not just as a cup of coffee, but in a more, I would say, um, spiritual, emotional dimension, will uh, bring you that level of satisfaction and perseverance. And it's important uh, not giving up, basically, on, uh, on what you are passionate about. You don't give up on things you, you love, right? So same thing if it's for coffee or for baking. It took me about, uh, to be honest, nine, nine sourdough to, um, to really nail the, uh, I kind of nail. I'm not like super, super satisfied with, uh, with my, my sourdough. I would like to have more air pocket inside. It's still a little bit um, dense. Uh, and so I'm trying to do different, uh, different, um, different recipes by only changing one thing, like in coffee, right? Remember in um, in brewing, we only change the grind size or we only change the temperature, and then we measure the impact of it. Well, the thing is with uh, with with baking and, and sourdough, but any baking and dough, you need to let it rest. So everything lasts like two, three days before we do a a, um, a test, and because of that, well. I just bake every week, every two, two, two to three times a week. The same way you can brew every, imagine you can brew every day. You can do a experiment every single time you are, uh, you, you wake up every single time you are brewing coffee. And that's the magic of, um, of always improving your brew, your craft by keep going at it. And just don't uh, don't stop learning. I think there's always new things to um, to learn, uh, both in baking and in uh, and in coffee, right? Uh, for example, in baking, there's this newer approach to mold or how different sugars um, react. Not all sugars are created equal. The same way, not all flowers are the same. It's it's quite complex. The level of action of flower, the was the difference between bleach and bleach, whole wheat, spelt, rye, and how they affect the uh, the dough uh, in terms of stabilization, but also how they are replying to heat, right? So same thing with with green coffee when you are roasting. They are all different shapes, different size, different origin, different densities, different um, processes, and they will be uh, replying to heat slightly differently. And the the idea is to to see how they respond and go with it, go with the flow. Something we will learn, uh, I will share in the next episode of things I've learned in 
um, is to really go with the flow, go with where the uh, this this agricultural natural product wants you to take, wants you to be in, right? Um, for example, you cannot you cannot uh, impose a floral taste in a coffee that that has chocolate and citrus fruits. It's just chocolate and citrus and floral. And you can do whatever you want in your brewing or your, or your roasting. It's not there. As I always say, you can always turn green into yellow, into a light green or dark green, but you cannot turn green into yellow. It's not possible because it's not there. So have, I hope you'll learn some of those lessons that can be applied to both baking and, um, and coffee. To me, those, uh, and you may, uh, you may um, think that this is kind of obvious, right? But it's great to remember those lessons that sometimes you learn in the beginning. And by having another world, such as here, a world of baking, remembering those uh, key pillars. So it was about embracing failure and learning opportunity and measuring for improvement the vital role of ratios, mastering, very important, mastering temperature and the chemical reactions, understanding your heating system and persevere in your endeavor to make a better batch every single time. Feel free to infuse your personal experiences, anecdote and uh, conversational style to make uh, the podcast uh, yours and uh, make sure that you are um, always trying new uh, new stuff. In the next episode, we will discuss the things I've learned in sport, in a certain sport that uh, helped me in my coffee journey. Thank you very much for listening, and see you next time for a new episode.